Good morning, church. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yes, let me greet all of those who are worshipping with us in our prayer and praise hall. Good morning to you. Sing Yan Meng Fu, Sing Yan Meng En, which means in the new year, may you receive the Lord's blessings. May you receive the Lord's grace. And today we come to our final sermon on a sermon series of Theology of Work. And I hope that you have been deeply encouraged. In this sermon series, we talked about the purpose of work, rests from work, the challenges, character, the witness for work. And today we will close with calling for work. And that's a really important one, calling for work. How do I know if I'm called to this job, to this vocation? How do I know if I were to leave? Am I to leave this job if it doesn't fit what I want? But before we do anything, let's go to God in prayer. Let's surrender this entire message for the glory of his name. Father, thank you that we can gather as your family on this second day of Chinese New Year. In every Chinese New Year, we are so thankful for the blessings you have poured out into our lives. We thank you for the blessing of work. Thank you that you've given us the opportunity to work in all seasons of life. And so, Lord, grant us your grace to hear your Spirit speak to us this day. May you be glorified in the preaching of your word, O God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen, Amen. A recent commentary from CNA highlights a current reality. Drowning in work, whose fault is that? An employee sued his company for work-related stress caused by a bullying culture, relentless workload, and a lack of support causing heart and health issues. Now, the reality for many of us at different seasons of our lives is that we would struggle with our work. Sometimes it's not because of the work per se, but because of a difficult colleague, a very challenging boss, or toxic work culture. Sometimes it's because of a season at home which makes work really challenging, having to cope with both. And we ask ourselves, am am I caught to this job? Am I caught to stay? Or should I leave? Should I resign without another job in sight? God, what is my calling for work at this workplace? And some of you who are studying, you ask yourselves, what course of studies should I choose? Because that determines my vocation, that determines my future. Today, God's Word provides us some perspectives. And the first verse I want to leave with you is 1 Corinthians 7, 17. It says this, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has caught them. This is the rule I laid down in all the churches. In the context of 1 Corinthians 7, Paul was dealing with the issue of singleness and marriage. But then Paul mentions a fundamental principle of calling. He says each one of us should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned us, just as God has called us. That means, my friends, there is an assignment. That means there is a place where God calls us, and it applies for the work and the workplaces that we belong to. In fact, the word vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means being called. And if you are being called, means there is a caller. And God is indeed that caller. So how do we understand this principle of calling for the work that we do? 
Today, I want to share with you four principles. First, you are called to a faithful person. You are called to obedient stewardship. You are called to wise choices. And lastly, you are called to a discipleship journey. First and foremost, my friends, if you forget anything I've said in this sermon, this first principle is fundamental. You and I are called to a faithful person. That means we are called to someone before we are called to something. That's the fundamental posture of our Christian understanding of calling for work. We are called to someone first before we are called to something. What does that mean to be called to someone What does it mean to be called to God? It means first and foremost, our identity is defined in Him and by Him. Today, our identity is often tied up with our work. You know, sometimes when we greet each other, we are known by our work. We are known by what we do. People call me Pastor Ray. And it delights me when people call me Uncle Ray. I qualify uncle status, Ray People call me Uncle Ray is very different, but people always call me Pastor Ray. That has often become my identity. You know, when I walk in the street sometimes when I'm outside and without my clergy collar, nobody recognizes me because they recognize me in black with the clergy collar. Because I'm doing work now, I just put the clergy collar back. My friends, if you belong to God, you're caught to Him, then your identity is that you belong to Him. You are first and foremost saved to be a child of God. Remember that. That comes first before the work we do. And because of this identity that we are children, sons and daughters of God, we work for the Lord. Colossians 3.23 reminds us that we do not work for men. We work for our Abba Father who calls us and we belong to Him. Two, if you are called to a faithful person, then your satisfaction is from Him. Jesus is the bread of life that feeds our souls. And likewise, with the work that we do, Jesus is the one that feeds us with the satisfaction that we need. Because the problem we have today is restlessness. We are restless. We want more because we are not satisfied. And the satisfaction can only come from God. Colossians 3.23 reminds us again that our reward is from the Lord. And would you always seek God for your satisfaction in work? Thirdly, if you are called to Him, then your values are shaped by Him. Colossians 3.12 reminds us that as God's people, we clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, and patience. These are God's values for the work that we do. So our values of excellence, integrity, love for others is shaped by God. It comes from Him, not from ourselves. We are shaped by the character of God who is our Lord. Finally, if you are called to a faithful person, then your purposes come from Him. What then fundamentally are our purposes at work? We are ambassadors and we are mediators. Colossians 5, 2 Corinthians 5.20 reminds us that we represent God as His ambassadors. That's what an ambassador does. He represents And we have the privilege to represent God so that others may know who this God is through the work that we do and the lives that we lead. We are also called to be mediators. 1 Peter 2.9 calls us royal priesthood. That means we are kingly priests. You know, priests, what they do is they mediate God's presence. 
They bring us into God's presence through worship. That's what the ancient priests would do. And priests would bring God's presence wherever they go. And in the same manner as ambassadors and as mediators, as priests, we represent God and we bring God's presence wherever we are, in whatever seasons of work we do. So our purposes come from Him. So this is the point. First point. It is a person that we are called first to. Called first to belong to God. We are called to God first so we can be like Him before we do anything for Him. So if I may say, the focus is not so much on our jobs, our profession, or our vocation. That's important. But actually the focus is not that. The focus is that we have a God who will provide and protect us. Amen? We have a faithful Jehovah Jireh. We are called to Him. In whatever you do, the focus is not what you can gain out of your job, but the desire to walk right with our Lord. Paul makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians 7. He says you are to live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has called you because first you and I are called to Him. This Chinese New Year, how is your relationship with the one who has caught you? You know, every time, every Chinese New Year, we go around and we kind of like celebrate the blessings of God. We celebrate the goodness of God in our lives. And we recognize that that goodness comes from the work that we do. But today, let me ask you, how's your relationship? How's your relationship with the one whom you belong to? And if you get that right, it will strengthen his call for your work. Second principle, you and I are called to obedient stewardship. Now my friends, God does call us to specific types of work and vocations. May I therefore say that it is a question of obedient stewardship because God can give us certain indicators of the kind of specific work that we are called to do. First and foremost, God gives us burdens and desires. What directs you? What drives you? What compels you? God gives you and I passions that are aligned with our interests. God shows us the needs in this world, even in the needs of our family and others. God puts issues on our hearts that compel us to action. Today, God may have given you a burden to transform your workplace, maybe for leadership development, to be a mentor, to be a catalyst of good culture. Maybe the burden that God has placed on your heart is simply for your colleague whom God has called you to love and to show kindness. Today, will you be obedient to the burdens that God has placed in your heart? Because apart from burdens, God also gives us gifts and abilities. What are you good at? What are your natural talents? My friends, do the work that you are good at. Romans 12, 6-8 reminds us to excel in the different gifts if your gift is to teach, teach well. If it is to encourage or to lead, do them well. And as the Lord has blessed and has endowed you with abilities, that's an indication of the specific work that you're called to do. Thirdly, the Lord also grants us open doors and opportunities. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16 that there is an open door for ministry in Ephesus, even though many oppose him. So imagine with me. Paul's burden for missions is met with that open door which God provides. But may I also say that not every open door is necessarily from God. 
it is a dynamic process of seeking God for His leading, for His revelation as to whether you should take that opportunity. And we need to ask questions like, Lord, is this your time? Is this a good time for me to take this opportunity? When I take this opportunity, are my motives right before you? We need to ask the Spirit to reveal to us our motives, our intentions before we walk through an open door. Sometimes, my friends, we are trying to avoid an issue rather than facing up to it. And the open door is a way of us to escape. And often, we need the wisdom and counsel from a godly community. Now, my friends, I've highlighted you three indicators, burdens, abilities, and opportunities. But may I say that that's not the key to it. Because the world looks for these things as well. Step into the secular world, and the world will tell you, yeah, you've got to have a desire for the work. You've got to have good abilities. You've got to have an opportunity. The world looks for that as well. What distinguishes us from the world is that we are not owners. We are stewards. This is the key difference. What distinguishes us from the world is that we do not own the burden. We do not own the ability. We do not own that open door. We are simply stewards of the burdens, the abilities, and the opportunities that God, that God gives to us. And that means we ask a fundamental question. God, how am I acting on this burden which you have given to me? Am I obeying you? Am I using this gift and talent which actually I don't own, God. It's a gift from you for me to use. Am I obeying you? Most of us will be familiar with the movie Chariots of Fire that features Eric Liddell, the life of the Olympian runner. And in the movie, Eric told his sister, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. The key for me is I feel his pleasure. That means our calling for specific work is never ultimately for our benefit, but for the pleasure and the glory of God. Because at the core of it, stewards obey. Stewards obey. And it is in our obedience that God is most glorified when we steward the abilities, the opportunities, and the burdens that God gives us. Mother Theresa once said, God did not call me to be successful. He called me to be faithful. I always carry this in my heart. Because the world's definition of success is very different from our understanding of success. Our understanding of success is as stewards, we are obedient in faithfulness. We are faithful all the way. Because the more faithful we are, the more God is glorified. The more God is known, the more God is acknowledged, the more God is visible. Amen? Amen. You know, people often ask me, what made you become a pastor? And I will always respond, it's definitely God's call. For some reason, God gave me a burden for pastoral ministry, for full-time church work as a pastor. Now, to be honest, I wish that the burden would go away, but it didn't. It stayed on with me. And as much as I tried to deny it, it stayed on with me. Now, don't get me wrong. I was enjoying the work and success as a government lawyer. But in my heart of hearts, there was a burden. And my friends, it took me five years to eventually say yes to God. 
Because even though I had the burden, I wasn't willing to pay the price. I wasn't willing to step into that open door. I wasn't willing because it was really difficult to give all that up. But after five years, I finally said, yes, Lord, I will not run away from this burden. This is my obedience. And guess what? When I eventually said yes, there was such an incredible sense of peace and surrender. And I had to take another five years to prepare for the pastoral ministry. Another five years of God molding me, purifying me, getting me ready. And so when the opportunity came, the right open door was right. The timing was right. I then resigned, applied to be a pastor, went to TTC, Trinity Theology College, and I never looked back. Today, my friends, I want to say, if God has given you a burden, an ability, and an opportunity, may you serve Him faithfully, amen? May you walk in the obedience of what God has called you for the specific work that He has called you to. And when you're in the center of God's will, know that He will be there with you. He will empower you. He will strengthen you for the journeys ahead. And some of you may be wondering, how do I know my abilities? How do I know my burdens? Let me recommend this book to you. It's called The ABC of Vocational Discernment, written by Dr. Tan Suin. This book is good. It's short, it's concise, it's very practical. Let me commend this book to you. You can pick it up in any of the bookstores or Google for it. Now today, some of you here, you may have a stirring and a calling to full-time Christian church or pastoral ministry. Please speak to one of us pastors. Please speak to us. Allow us to journey with you the process that call with you because someone mentored me and journeyed with me as I finally became obedient to God's call. Now you may say, Pastor Ray, what if I don't feel the call of God upon my life? What if I don't have a say as to my work? I inherit this business from my parents. How, how do I know then what my calling is? How, how do I make decisions for work every day? How is God calling me to do that? It comes to the third principle. You and I are called to wise choices. That's a calling. It's a really important calling. And in 1 Corinthians, there are three guidance for wisdom in our daily choices for the work that we do. The first question we ask is, it's permissible, but is it beneficial? Yeah, it's permissible, but is it beneficial? In the movie, Batman vs. Superman, The Dawn of Justice, which recently came out on Netflix, some of you may have watched that, Senator Finch, she was conducting a Senate hearing on the conduct of Superman because Superman had gone rogue. And she made a very relevant remark. This is what she said. The world has been so caught up with what Superman can do that no one has asked what he should do. Sometimes we think we are like Superman. Indeed, there are many things we can do but the essential question is what we should do. What we should do is the beneficial thing. And God gives us wisdom to know what we should do. I have a friend who walked out of her, of her job in the alcohol industry because her work actually required her to be in positions where she will be intoxicated. And she made the choice to say one day, enough is enough. Now, it's sure it's permissible for her to stay on in a career in the alcohol industry, but for her, it's not beneficial. And so she made a choice and walked out of it. 
Now, I believe that all of us, at some point in our lives, in fact, every day we have to ask ourselves, this is permissible, but is it beneficial? At what price do I have to pay to carry on this work? At the cost of my mental health? At the cost of time and relationship with my family? Ask yourselves, permissible, but is it beneficial? May the Lord grant you wisdom for that. The second principle for wisdom is that does it lead you to freedom or actually to bondage? Will what you do in your work lead you into a bondage? Are we slaves to certain wants and a lifestyle that brings with it the undue pressure and stress? You know, you speak to the young people, they are under so much stress today because they have mortgages to pay for. They have loans. There's a certain lifestyle they want to acquire, but it just takes so much out of them. They are, they are slaves. They are slaves to the work that they do. And you have to ask yourself very honestly, are you a slave to the work that you are doing now because of the things that you want, not the things that you need? Are we slaves to the need to achieve so that we can prove ourselves to find our significance and our self-worth? Are we slaves to our work so we can escape from the real issues that require our handling. Some of us are slaves to our work. Some of us don't dare to go home to face the issues at home, and so we rather spend time at work. Now, my friends, these are real pertinent questions, very, very practical. It's the second indicator. Are you a slave or are you free in what you do? The third indicator, is that a loving or a stumbling thing? First Corinthians 8.13, the Apostle Paul says, I will not eat meat if it causes my brother to stumble. And the question is, is, will this decision that I make at work, does it show love? Does it show kindness? Or does it stumble my colleague and my subordinates? Will this decision I make stumble my family as well? Now to stumble is the idea of causing doubt rather than nurturing faith. And so our decisions, our work can stumble someone when it causes them to doubt God rather than nurture faith in God. You know, I remember someone just, I was having lunch with someone quite senior in her organization. And she was sharing that one of her subordinates came and was just sharing something very personal with her. And she just turned around and told her subordinate, why are you telling me this? And that really hurt her subordinate. Because here her subordinate was trying to be authentic with her, and she just dismissed her like that. And she just reflected and she said, you know, Pastor Ray, I think I have really stumbled my subordinate. Of course, she asked for forgiveness and all things are well. But here's where we need God's wisdom to do the opposite, where we show the loving thing. And this is a real story. This lady was testifying how her team had made a mistake in the work. And just when she thought that she and her team would be responsible for the mistake, her manager actually stood up and took the blame for them. Just when she thought that, you know, the manager would throw them under the bus and make them responsible and they probably have to quit because of the mistake, the manager came and took the blame for them. This lady now attends the church that the manager worships at because this manager has shown a Christ-like love and sacrifice that completely blew her mind in the way he had shown them love. So my friends, what is that loving thing to do? Will you love someone? Or do we stumble someone? And sometimes we may wonder, God, how do I make that godly choice for my work? 
And here it's very helpful for you to seek counsel from a community. Whether it's a small group community or a discipleship band. But this year, in alignment with our discipleship in the workplace, we have started marketplace support groups. And this announcement has been going on for the past few weeks because we want any one of you, you need godly counsel as to how to make wise decisions, how to go through your work with wisdom. Join the market support group. This is the very last week they're having a booth outside. And I want to encourage you, if you are, if you led to, today we have 90 people who have signed up for market support groups. Praise the Lord. And it means there is a hunger there is hunger for community to journey together because you'll be placed in the same profession and you have an opportunity to journey with one another to make godly, wise choices at our workplace. My friends, don't walk alone. Let the church come and walk with you. But we can go further when we journey together. And that brings me to my last principle to the calling to the world. And this will sum up our entire Seven series. You and I, my friends, are called to a discipleship journey. This is the calling for work. We are on the discipleship journey because work is God's way of discipling us. My friends, our work should not be understood as isolated seasons, but a connected journey that matures us as His disciple. Often when we leave one job for the other, we would use the common explanation, oh, I think my season at this company is up. It's time to move on to a next season. Rightfully so. But do you know that in God's perspective, they are a connected journey. God used our journeys of work to form and to shape us for what lies ahead. Do you know that? Do you know that Moses spent years as a shepherd before he was a shepherd of God's people to lead them out of Egypt? Joseph was thrown into prison for his integrity so that one day he may lead with integrity. David fought bears and lions so that one day he'll be ready to fight Goliath. Esther was placed in the palace so that one day she'll be used by God for such a time as this. And Paul spent three years in Arabia in ministry before eventually taking on the mandate as an apostle to the Gentiles. My friends, every assignment that we do well today prepares us for the next. And every path that we take prepares us for the next adventure of faith. During my career as a government lawyer, I spent some years in the Ministry of Manpower. I was appointed there. And one of my duties as a lawyer in the Ministry of Manpower was to be a judge. I was to judge workmen's injury compensation. So workmen, migrant workers, local workers, they will get injured and then they will come before me for assessment of compensation. Sometimes there is a dispute between employer, insurers, and there will be a full hearing. And I will conduct the hearing as a judge. This is when God started me on a journey. He gave me a burden for injured migrant workers. Now, little did I know that God had an assignment for me lying ahead. And so when I eventually left my secular work and I went to TTC, Trinity Theological College, at TTC we are required to do internships. And so I chose to do two internships at HealthServe. And HealthServe is a community organization that reaches out to migrant workers. And when I joined HealthServe, lo and behold, they were reaching out to injured migrant workers from China who were waiting for their compensation. 
And all my past experience in MOM was put to use. In fact, I started a legal clinic for these workers. They would queue up and they would take legal advice from, from me. And I had the privilege to share what I would understand from their cases. In fact, I told them how the judge would think. Because I used to be the judge. But this is not the amazing thing. The amazing thing is through the encounters with them. They had a chance to tell me their stories, how they came from China to make a living for their family. They have a chance to share with me their fears and their hopes. And I had the amazing privilege of praying with them and offering hope. To me, that, that is unforgettable. That will always be etched in my memory as part of a shaping part of my, my entire ministry for my life. And guess what, my friends? All my Chinese and Mandarin came to good use. Little did I know that years ago, when I really struggled in Mandarin in secondary school and in JC, all the Chinese and Mandarin I had to pull out from my closet and use them. To students, don't underestimate what God is doing in your student life right now. Because God can really, really use all that you have been through in your life for His purposes. Amen? And here's the point, my friends. Work done in God's way, through God's time, where you got success and fulfill God's purposes. This is my mantra. This is what I hold close to my heart. I want to do it in God's way. Because when I do it in God's way and through His time, it will yield His success and will fulfill His purpose. Today, my friends, will you surrender your work to be used by God to disciple you and make you strong for His purposes? My friends, it ain't going to get easier in the future, but you can get stronger. It ain't going to be easier, but you can get stronger. You can only be strong when work is a journey that you take with our Lord. Because when you take a journey with our Lord, then will you be rest, deeply rested to the end. Jesus says, come to me if you are tired and I will give you rest. Be yoked with me because my burden is light. My friends, we really need to be yoked with Jesus for our burden to be light. The idea of a yoke is an instrument they will place on two oxen when they plow the field. And guess what? When you try and plow the field on your own, that instrument, that yoke, it's going to be heavy. But when you have Jesus plowing the field with you, guess what? The yoke is light because Jesus is strong and kind. And when you are rested in the finished work of Christ, then true rest will come to you. Often we try to rest on our work. We try to rest on the work that we do and think that you will accomplish anything. My friends, do you know that today you need to be rested in the finished work of Christ? Because only Christ can redeem our work. Only Christ can bring satisfaction, meaning and purpose and the fruit for our work. And when you and I are rested in the reality that God's redemptive work is finished, then you have a hope for our eventual destiny. And that hope will enable you to do the work that God has called you to do. Timothy Keller, in his book, Every Good Endeavor, and this is the book that all pastors have referred to in their sermons, because this is a book that is an excellent book on the theology of work. The very final portion, right at the very end of this book, let me quote 
Let me share this with you, what Timothy Keller has written. He writes, When your heart comes to hope in Christ and the future world he has guaranteed, when you are carrying his easy yoke, you finally have the power to work with a free heart. You can gladly accept whatever level of success and accomplishment God gives you in your vocation because he has called you to it. You can work with passion and rest, knowing that ultimately the deepest desires of your heart, including your specific aspirations for your earthly work, they will be fulfilled when you reach your true country, the new heaven and new earth. So in any time and place, you can work with joy, satisfaction, and no regrets. This is my sincere prayer for all of us. Today, I pray that you will find your rest as you respond to God's calling and assignments for you in this season of your life. Whether you are retired, a homemaker, a student, or in full-time work, there is work to be done, amen. And there is an assignment for each one of us. God is not done with us yet. And so as he calls us to our work today, will you be called to a faithful person, our Lord? Because he alone is the one who grants satisfaction that you need and secures you in right identity. Will you fulfill your call to be obedient stewards of the burdens, the abilities, the opportunities he gives? Will you make wise and godly choices that will always glorify him? And will you take that journey of intentional discipleship through your work with him? And as you do that, may many more come to know our Lord Jesus Christ who is our gracious Lord, our loving Savior, and our faithful friend. So let's close this sermon series by praying this prayer crafted by Kara Martin. Kara Martin has written a book called Workship, another wonderful book which I commend to you. Let's pray this together out loud. Sovereign Lord, thank you for the gift of work that however old we are, whatever our level of ability there is some way we can contribute meaningfully to the creative and cultural feeling of your world. Help us to see work as a gift. Help us to work as if we are working for you. Help us to use our working as a means of honoring you and serving others. Help us to find work that allows us to flourish with all the gifts and skills you have given us. And help us to see our work as a gift that you are using to shape us to be more like Jesus, your Son, by whose work we are saved. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Holy Spirit, would you speak your living word to each one of us? Father God, today reveal to us the burdens abilities and the opportunities you've given us. Lord, we humble ourselves to recognize that we don't own these. We are your stewards. You have given them to us. Help us to obey you faithfully. Lord, give us your wisdom. Your wisdom to make wise choices. Your wisdom to make those choices that will glorify you every day. Above all, Lord, Give us faith to trust you for the journey that we are on with you. Because, Lord, you are with us. 
We want to be faithful. And know that even as you call us, Lord, you will provide for us. You will protect us. And in our journey of discipleship, may we be more formed to be more like you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We want to seek and serve you. But we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.